0: All right, as you guys know, and I haven't told a story like this for a while, but I I am from Hawk Point, Missouri. And um, Hawk Point's a town of about 400 people. Things are a little different in Hawk Point. They were when I was a kid, and and they they still are, just a little bit different. And one of my old buddies up there wanted to start dating again, but he was scared. And um, we're not real good on social graces, so he didn't just know what to do. And a friend said, hey, listen, there's nothing to worry about. There's a new app out there. There's a new dating app that you just tell it what time you're going to pick up your date. And then if you get there and it's a bad deal, you're going to get a phone call. And if everything's good, you just don't answer the phone. But if you get to the situation and it's not good, then you answer the phone and you say, hey, mom, what's the matter? And he says, okay, I think I can do that. You'll notice I'm not using pictures for this. Because I'm like, I'm going to get hammered no matter what I put up here. So there's no pictures. There's no pictures. So the guy says, this is a good idea. So blind date's all set up. He goes. She opens the door. He is blown away. Gorgeous lady. Big smile. Happy greeting. He cannot believe his luck. Phone's ringing. He ignores it. About that time, she pulls her phone out and says, Hey, Mom, you got a problem? (laughs) All right. Some days I'll... Sometime I'll take you guys on a tour of Hawk Point. You won't all fit. We'll go and... We'll have to go in shifts. But, um, all right. So we're going to talk about the end of Acts chapter 20. And we've been, um, we've been a whole year in the book of Acts, the beginning of the church. And we spent the last month just in chapter 20. And this is Paul's speech. He's out on a beach um, by the Meander River. And he's talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus. And he's been teaching them and training them and equipping them for what's about to come. And Paul's explaining to them the significance of staying strong. And here's a verse that must have been going through his head. This is Jesus' words in Matthew 7. He said, Jesus said, beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. Anybody ever heard that term before? All right. Now, Jesus is talking to his followers... And Paul is talking to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, all right? So we're going you, you to, want, I want you to understand the context. He's not talking about the people that are outside. There is a verse we'll get to where we talk about that. He's talking about the danger of the wolves in the church. And Paul even says, some of you are sitting here in the circle with me right now. Now let me give you a, a leadership quote, all right? Some people, some people are bothered when, when they get offended, but I like how Rich Villado said this. As a leader, if I'm pleasing everyone, I'm probably not leading. I'll go a step further. If I am pleasing everyone, there's no chance that I'm leading. Right? I'm going to upset you. Not on purpose, but the word of God is going to upset you. Hopefully something rattles your cage at every service. And if you go to a church and they're telling you that how you live your life is good and you don't have to change anything and you don't have to repent, you're not in a biblical church. And see, the problem is my goal, and it took me a while to process this, my goal is not for you to like me. I like it when you like me. But my goal is not to be liked. My goal is to keep you out of hell. That's my goal. All right. And and in Galatians 1.10, it says God will hold me accountable for everything I say to you. So if I teach something stupid to you, now I go to hell because of what I taught you. Well, I'm not doing that. So I'm going to tell you. The truth. That's my job. That's what any pastor's job is. And a lot of pastors put themselves in very dangerous situations. And Jesus said, look out. They'll look like sheep, but they're actually ravenous wolves. All right. Stand with me. We'll read the text. It's very brief to the point. Paul says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. And will not spare the flock. The flock would be the church. Even from your own number. Now can you imagine this? All right. So everybody starts looking around. All right. Now I'm not suggesting you go on a witch hunt. That's not. But remember when Jesus said that? One of you at the table will betray me. And they started asking, is it me Lord? The only guy that didn't ask was the guy that was betraying him. Give that some thought. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. So be on your guard. Remember that there, for three years, three years Paul's been teaching these people, I never stopped warning you. Night and day with tears. Paul knows what's coming. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace. Which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Can you go back to that just for a second? I want you to notice it does not say lazy. With me? We should help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. When he had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. When they all wept, they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. You can be seated. So let's talk about this warning about wolves. I spent two weeks studying wolves. I never thought I'd care about wolves, but I needed to learn about wolves. So I found there's some very interesting things that wolves do. And Paul would have been talking about the Eurasian wolf, all right? There's a difference. A wolf's a wolf, but a wolf's a dog. I mean, it's, it's all, they're all in the canine uh, family. Uh, but this one is, is called the lupus. And it is the Eurasian wolf that grows to about 175 pounds. And these wolves travel in packs of eight. Nobody knows why, but they travel in packs of eight. And when they attack an animal, and they will attack anything, they will attack grizzly bears, and they will eat everything except the roar. They will leave nothing They will leave nothing. Wolves will eat and destroy absolutely everything in their path. Now, this is the word that Paul uses for people who are in the church. Interesting. There's something else about wolves. They're very territorial. Now it's starting to sound like pastors. I'm just telling you. Very territorial, and they travel in packs of eight. I've never seen a church split or destroyed with one person. One person rallies a team. Now, you can't rally a thousand people because nobody cares about your dumb cause. But you can rally seven or eight. And it's usually about that number of people that destroy a church. Whether a church is huge, whether a church is little, it doesn't make any difference. This is fascinating because the church in Paul's time is going to grow to about 80,000 or 50,000 people. But these wolves are still going to be there. And, and what is the wolves' intent? Well, they come in with false teaching. Uh, we talked about this last week. There's the idea of syncretism, that you can keep living however you want. You can have sex with whatever and whenever you want. And you can believe in this God and that God. And you can do what you want. And you don't have to follow any of these rules. Paul said to the Galatians about this same topic, he said, I cannot believe after learning about Jesus that you would go back and try to find another gospel. He said, I, I can't even fathom what you've done here. And then the... Other interesting fact about a wolf is this. Wolves have no natural predators, except you and me, with a gun. Okay? So the only thing that kills a wolf, are you ready? It's another wolf. 65% of wolf deaths are from other wolves. Because every wolf wants to be the big dog. Does that sound like any stories you know? And it says they will intentionally pull people away with these false teachings. Whether it's teachings about health and wealth. Whether it's, I've got this new mystical. This stuff is everywhere. Oh, come to my crusade. I have knowledge that none of you have. Well, that's funny because you've got the same book I got. But... How do you argue with people? You see, I had this vision of God, and I heard from God. How do you argue with that? You you can't, because there's nothing to work with. You just say, well, that didn't happen. But they put themselves in an elite position, and their goal is to pull people away. And what is the ultimate goal? I can, this is really not hard. What is the ultimate goal of a wolf? A wolf is, to, is trying to steal people for what purpose? What goes with people? Their money. Their money. Right? We're going to get to that at the end of this section. So the wolf will see people for what they can do for them. What they can do for the wolf. And they won't think about the church and the purpose of the church and reaching lost people and buying toiletries. Those kind of things won't be important because the wolf's only agenda is his own agenda. And what is the wolf's agenda? To kill. Pretty. In fact, he even throws in an adjective, savage wolves. Just in case that word wasn't big enough for you. Now... Luke says that Jesus says this, Luke quotes it. He says, go, I'm sending you as lambs amongst the wolves. Now, this is the only time that it's used about the wolves that are in the world. There are wolves in the world too. And he said, I'm sending you out there as sheep. You be kind and gentle and loving, but at the same time, be aware of the wolves. So when you hear wolves... Oh, wolves can be complainers, they can be gossipers, they can be outright insurrectionists in a church. And I don't care that it's our church or anybody else's church, you step into that and say, no, this is not how Christians behave. You're acting like a wolf, you're destroying the church. I'll never forget one of the most courageous, not not that I haven't seen Cord do some amazing leadership in my life, because I've watched him for 40 years. But he had a guy on the phone one day and he said, let me tell you something. And Cord's really laid back. You know, he's nice. He really is. He's nice. And he's got this guy on the phone and I hear him say, if your goal is to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, you are right on track. You keep doing what you're doing. And the phone went silent. Because all the guy was trying to do was build a coalition. It wasn't our church. He was calling, wanting us to get on board in another church's split. And Cord said, no, why would you do this, let alone us? But that's how wolves work. They don't care about anything about the kingdom. They're only focused on themselves. Okay, so we got the wolf idea down, right? Canis, canis lupus. Feel free uh, to look that up. But then, is he's in tears... All right, Three years he's been teaching them and he's in tears. He says, I now commend you to the God of grace. That sounds like a funeral. And now by the power invested in me, oh, that'd be a wedding. Um, same idea, right? By the power invested in me, I commend, I now announce that you are man and wife, and by, by the power that I have been given in this moment, we commit this person's body to you. It's the same idea. Paul's saying, I commit you, the wolves are coming, but I commit you to the grace of Christ. You guys have got to figure this out for yourself. This is why it's so important that you're in the Word. You cannot trust me. You cannot trust any pastor. Never in the history of the world has there been more false teaching than's going on right now. And it's not just on TV. TV ministries are easy to pick apart. But it's in a lot of local places. And you've got to guard against it here. All right? You've got you to pay attention. Your job is to be in your book because when you stand before Jesus, I'll have to answer for me. But you can't say, well, Joe said this because I promise you God's not going to care. So you got to know the Word of God. That's why we push you to get into a small group. That's why we push you to be in prayer groups. That's why we push you uh, in this rooted program to do your daily devotions. Paul said, I commend you to the grace of God. And I love this next phrase. Don't miss this. He says, so that you can be like some of the special sanctified people. Well, who would that be? Oh, Esther, Mary, Martha, John, Peter, Abraham, he said, if you guys will not become wolves and you won't surrender to the wolves, out of this church can become some of the greatest Christians who have ever lived and you can help change the world. That's pretty amazing stuff. But he's warning them to protect their own souls. Look out for the wolves, but then it's a warning that they are responsible for their own souls. Paul said, I gave three years. I've cried with you. I've worked with you. I've set a model for you. But now you have got to protect your own soul. And guys, you've got to protect the church. It's a pretty powerful statement. Now, let me walk you through some stuff that I read this week. This I don't even have to collect anything anymore. In Vermont, feel free to check out all my stories as always, you googling machines you. All right, in Vermont. In Vermont, there the girls check it out. The girls volleyball team was kicked out of their locker room because the transgender girl was uncomfortable with the girls being in the girls' locker room. Now, my my thought is, so where did the girls go? Did they have to go to the boys' locker? I mean, I don't know. California. There's all kinds of teachers that have created their own queer libraries to pass out books to their grade school children. That probably doesn't surprise you. And then in Texas. This is in Katy, Texas. All right, here's a here's the church. It's First Christian Church. Don't hold me to that. Uh, this is a denomination that I grew up in. The Disciples of Christ, loosely connected to us, but we split in the 1960s because our group wanted to stand on the Bible and their group wanted to stand on inclusion. And this group in Katy, Texas now has uh, drag queens come in uh, to do drag bingo. They have transitional closets so that when your son goes to Sunday school, he can come home as a girl. i 'm not sure what I, bothers me the most disciples of Christ or the word church under it, but this is the kind of stuff that 's going on all over the country this is nothing this is nothing new i 'm just you don 't live this I live this okay this is what 's going on now. I want to take you through a word give Mark White a shout out for this because he 's the one that shared this with me the The English word is vert Anybody know this word v e r t Somebody last night said green. No, not Spanish. It's, 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 it's vert. The word vert means to turn. All right. So he's, my, my friend said, run the derivative of this word. So I did. So to invert means to turn something upside down. To divert means to turn something away. An introvert, someone that looks in. An extrovert, Someone who is outgoing. A convert. Someone who turns around back to God. That's what we are as followers of Jesus, right? And then there's the word pervert. Same same root word. Vert. To turn. To turn the wrong way. That's just an English lesson. To turn the wrong way. Now there are a lot of Christians who have turned the wrong way. And a lot of, and again, what do you do if you're pastor? Can you imagine being in the church and your pastor is, can you imagine this is the youth group? Hey, what did we do in youth group tonight? we had drag bingo. Now, regardless, regardless, let's just say you really do believe that, which they obviously do. Why would that be the goal of the church? Why would that have anything to do with when you would come to gather as the body of Christ? That's how evil works, my friend. That's exactly how it works. So Paul said, you've got to guard your own soul. You think there's some wolves running churches? You think there's wolves running denominations? You better believe they are. There are wolves everywhere. And again, I don't want you going around going, you know what, I can't have dinner with Fred because I think he's got some sharp teeth. That's not what I'm suggesting, all right? I am suggesting that you know the Word of God so well and you're so smart that you stay away from anything that smells of division, of hurt, uh, anything that's going to hurt you or hurt anybody else in the faith. Ephesians 1.18, Paul said, I pray. Also, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope in which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's all I can do for churches like that. Pray for their eyes to be opened. And I'm telling you, what I just told you is 50% of the churches in America. 50%. You want to know why? When you see these surveys, it says the church is dying in America. That's the churches they're surveying. That's why they're dying. It doesn't take a rocket science. And thirdly, a word about giving. And I'm going to tell you, I have preached Acts 20, 35 probably 40 times in my life. It's an easy passage to preach. Jesus said, and it's, it's not recorded in the Gospels, but obviously uh, Paul knew that Jesus said this. It's more blessed to give than to I've preached that anytime we're talking about money this week it hit me what it really means all right we just went through this horrible hurricane some of us have been through a lot of hurricanes but we we've, we've gone through this nightmare of a hurricane would you rather would you rather be someone in a position right now who can give or someone who is in need That you're, you're calling the office saying, Joe, I need hygiene products. Joe, I need cans of food. Which position would you rather be in? I'm not putting anybody down or up, but which position would you rather be in? It's more blessed to be able to, to give. Now I pointed out, Paul said, I worked amongst you to help the weak. And I would highlight that with all my heart because I don't want a dime of my money to go to the lazy. But I'll help the weak all day long, because that's what the church of Jesus is called to do. Am I right? Right. More. Second Corinthians nine. Each man should give what he's decided to give in his own heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. I've told you for four, uh, thirty years here. If if you feel like I'm pressuring you to give, keep your money because God doesn't need it and we don't either. But if you want to be faithful to God, then you give. That's that's completely. Uh, Up to you. But I want to tell you what got me. I'm almost done. What really got me, Luann and I have been sponsoring kids at Ninos de Mexico, what Rob talked about, the golf tournament. I I think for 35, 35, 38 years, I don't know. We've got to be on the third or fourth generation of children by now. It's hard. It's hard for me to remember. But on the kid's birthday, they always send you an email, like a month later, and it's the Spanish handwriting, and then they translate it, and the kids tell you what they did for their birthday. And one of the children that we support was talking about, oh, we went here, we, we went to this park, and we ate this. But the phrase that jumped out at me was a little sentence that said, I have everything I need. And I left that, usually I just read them and, you know, you get so much paperwork, you just throw it away. And I just left it laying on my desk. Joe, when's the last time you said, I have all I need? With everything you have, when's the last time you said, I have everything? You're not an orphan. You're not dependent on some group to come in and put food on the table you're not dependent on other people in America to make sure you've got pencils to use you're not in that position when's the last time you said I have all I need let me finish with this I think you can all probably understand this story I love my old truck All right, we have a nice car that's my wife's All right, we, we understand how this works right and then I have my old GMC truck and I love it, I love it because you can't hurt it go ahead, pull out in front of me you know what I'm saying? you got a new Tesla? bring it alright but the other night I, uh, I didn't know I did it but I left the window down about a half an inch couple days later I go to get in my truck oh did it have a unique smell now you all know what that smell is because you have mildew running everywhere. Half your house smells like mildew, the other half smells like gasoline from your generators. You know, you know that smell. But my truck, I mean, I uh, opened the door, it just hit me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and I looked over, and there's that little crack. Just that much, the window's down. And all that water came in. How many times do we think I can leave the window down that far and the wolf probably won't get me. Enough? Father, I pray that we would grab a hold of what you're teaching. A lot of things we put on the table today. It's a warning about people who act like wolves to stop it, to get unified with the body of Christ. It's a message for the sheep to look out for false teaching. It's a message for some to accept Jesus. That have never accepted Jesus. That this would be the day. This would be the hour. For some, it's a message about warranting their soul. They've gotten pulled away into things they shouldn't be messing with. And it's time to get back home. And then there's a word of giving. And God, I have no idea who needs to hear what, but I trust that your spirit does. So Lord, you meet each person, meet each one of us right where we are in Jesus' name.